You come in here moving and shaking, man. You come in here making deals. You're on the phone already. Gotta do it, Joe. You're always moving. I mean, is there anything else to do? <laughs> is there anything else to do no, besides I just want to get ahead. No, no. Especially not now, man. Hunters hunt. Yes. Those that don't get ate. The last time you were here, man, that was one of the most inspirational podcasts I've ever done. I left that. I literally had a shift in the way I was looking at things. Like, you put an extra gear in my step that day. I was like, oh, I love being around people like you. My guy. People around you, you, you people like you, you're, you're going for shit all the time. And it's infectious. It's like uh, you're, you, you give off energy. And when people are around you, they want to they want to get shit done too. They it's contagious. Hustle. Yes, it's contagious. Yes. It's not it's not just me putting it out. I think that uh, the last time I was here, our conversation was such a great conversation because there was there was we both had point of views, right? And when we shared the point of views, you elevated the other person's. POV. Like when we were talking and I was telling you why I live the way I live, why I am the way I am, you springboarded. Then you said, yeah, because Kev, for me, I've been doing this. And, and we had this mm. yin and yang thing going yeah. and it and it drove the conversation. I told you, you know, before we jumped on one of the the best interviews that I've ever done. And from a feedback perspective with people that just loved what the discussion was, uh, loved the tone of the interview, the things that was said, uh, felt inspired, motivated after. Um, it was just great all around for me. Checked all the boxes. It was for me too. And I got a bunch of great responses from my friends. From fr That's when I know it's good when I get friends and my friends are all like pretty unanimous. They're like, that is a motivational motherfucker. Wow. Like that dude gets shit done. When people hear stuff like you, like someone who's oh excited about life excited about doing things you know there's something about that that it's fuel it's fuel for we need that everyone needs that you know i don't even this is this is not a cheesy segue all right this just makes sense from what you just said what you just said is the reason why i did the decision you said people need that it's fuel yeah right i feel that in today's time what people are most selfish with is information. Hmm. Nobody wants to give information. You got to ask for it. If you ask for it, then all right, maybe. Maybe I'll tell you some stuff, but it's a search and find. You mean real good real information. information. Information about how to get to success. That's the, that's the want from everybody across the board on some level. Right. Okay. Everybody's success is different. This doesn't mean fame and, and stars. I'm not talking about that level of success for everything. I'm saying whatever your version of success is to get to it, information from someone that's done it or that's partaken in it in some degree will only add to the value of your journey. It's mm. only going to make it easier. It's not to say that you got to do what they said, but be, with that information, you're able to process it, maybe use it, maybe not. Right. But you got it. Right. That's what I wanted to do. I said, yo, I got I got a fucking, I got a life. I got a hell of a life that I've lived full of ups, downs, potholes, cobblestone speed bumps, flat road, U-turns, some smack brick walls that I ran into, <laughs> uh, you know, some revolving doors of back and forth. And through it all, my mental has only gotten better because I feel like I've been in, I've been in a mental gym, the mental fitness that that coincides with life, you know, it should get better. It should you should get wiser. You should get smarter. 
you should be able to make better decisions. And all of my decisions came from the massive amount of fuck-ups. And I can now share those fuck-ups. I can now share the rights and the wrongs in the way that I handle all of the things that I've done. And people can just take that information and go, wow, I never looked at it like that. What gives them a better view of the landscape? Yeah. Especially when someone like you, you, you almost seem like an unattainable person. Like, how, how, how does he do that? How is he doing that? How does this guy go from Philadelphia to be one of the biggest movie stars in the world? How does he become one of the biggest stand-up comedy stars ever? How the fuck do you do that? You, you almost seem like an alien yeah. you know, to people on the outside. But then when they hear you talk about your real life and t- talk about these fuck-ups, talk about these successes and talk about the lessons that you've learned, man, that's fuel for folks in a way that nothing else is because... It's there's a lot of people that are bullshitting online. There's a lot of these motivational speakers that haven't done shit. And it's a it's a weird thing. It's like they're they're trying to give you motivation by like sort of reciting things that they think are going to work. That or they think, think that they think yeah. you want to hear. But they haven't done anything. <laughs> <But> <laughs> someone who's done something, when you say it, people are going to listen. They're going to go, oh, and you're so honest about everything, mm-hmm. which is every that's everything to people because when you're pure. When you, your your words are pure, people take them right in. They come right in. There's no there's no like oh this guy's kind of fucking selling me something. Oh this guy's not selling full shit. Of shit. Yeah, exactly. I got I got nothing to sell. I had a uh, I had a talk with Chase like uh, Chase J P Morgan Chase, the partners of mine, and we were doing this. Well, not we were. We are. We're doing this thing called Advancing Black Pathways, right? Where we're trying to cure financial literacy in the black community. We've been we're on like year number two right now right and there was a conversation where you know they wanted to have said bankers go and talk to the kids in the inner city and I was like you can't you can't send a white man that works for JP Morgan Chase to the inner city of said community hood whatever to talk to these young black kids that has no idea about the life that the black kids are living I said, what you need is people that have actually come from these environments. They have made it out of the environments and now understand how money works. Because now when I talk to you, I'm not talking to you with hypotheticals and I'm not preaching to you about what you should do and what you got to do. I said, I'm telling you what I did that didn't work. I'm telling you how I fucked off money and I'm telling you what I didn't know. Hey, guys, here's a fact. There is no education that comes with money in the black communities. It doesn't. You can go search for it. There, there isn't one. It does not exist. There is no one that is outright teaching the kids in a black community how to operate financially, how to set up for your future. There is nobody talking to you about ownership, homes, mortgages, investments, stocks. That doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. It's not until you get out of that environment. That you meet some people that are planning their life accordingly that you start to ask questions. It's not till maybe college and on the later side of it that you're with people that are getting jobs in the future that you start to do it. There is no prep or education at a young age. I said, so you need a, you need a fucking man that can go there and go, hey, man, let me tell you why y'all got to stop taking these free credit cards. Let me tell you why you got to stop putting a cable in somebody else's name and continuing to fuck it up. Let me tell you why you got to stop being okay with not having a bank account. 
Let me tell you why you got to stop using the check cash places. There's nobody giving that information. Mm. I said, that's what I am. So if we're going to have a relationship, let's build it off of something authentic. Let's build it off of something that people can go, I get that. Since then, to go back to your point, my relationship has been based on me telling the truth. I told J.P. Morgan Chase, I want to go to the inner city and I want to have these discussions, but let me have them my way. I don't want to have it in a J.P. Morgan Chase way. And I got to credit them for backing me because they align me with other people that share the same stories, that have achieved certain levels of success, that speak to the same thing. So everything that I've done, everything that I'm trying to do, when I do talk about it, I come proven. I'm only talking about this because I really got knowledge about it. I don't got knowledge about it because I'm the smartest motherfucking world. That's not where the knowledge is coming from, Joe. My knowledge is coming from, hey, man, yo, don't walk through door number one. <laughs> I walked through that there's door. There's a monster in there. Yeah, there's a bunch of shit in that door. <laughs> it wasn't until I came yeah. out that door that I saw those monsters that I knew the other monsters weren't as bad in door number two. But door number three is finally where you should go. I messed up, man. I went to the first two doors wrong. Why can't I give that to somebody that that hasn't experienced those doors yet? Why can't I just give that information and possibly prevent them from walking into those doors? And that's what's really valuable for people listening. Yeah, man. That's what's really valuable. Yes. Someone who's actually done it and done it wrong and done it right. And like, hey, listen, I fucked up. This is how I fucked up. That that means so much to people. It really you're you're advancing people's possibilities. It's I think that's what life should be about. Yes. If if as as adults, as adults, we have a job to do. Whether you want to admit it or not, your job is to set up the next generation. That's our job. Whether you right. want to fucking admit it or not. It it's your kids, it's your friends, it's whomever. You're supposed to live a certain way, do certain things to set up for the next generation to come and to be able to do better. If you don't, then you're not doing your part. And if the world never fucking grows, you got to raise your hand and be responsible. Because mm. you're a part of the lag. Yeah. You're part of the delay. If we look up in 15, 20 years and we're in the same spot, well, that means that our fucking groundbreakers... That was doing all the shit during that 15, 20 years. Never shared the information so that these new people could come through and break new ground. Yeah. Somebody got to do more than what the fuck I did. I don't care who it is. Right. But you got to do more. Right. Somebody got to fucking do more. Somebody got to break these records. And you already blazed the trail. Yeah. This all Keep I going. did. All I did was show you, hey, man, hey, they stopped here, but I kept going to the left. And I started haul ass. And look what I found. Now that I'm over here. That means it's more. Did you have a time in your life where you realized that you were doing the right thing? Like a time in your life where you realized, like in your comedy career in particular, where you realized, like, oh, I'm getting some fucking traction. Like, this is really rolling. Like in the beginning, you probably, like all of us, were not sure what was going to happen. You're trying. You know, you're doing open mics. You're trying to make it. Mm -hmm. But was there a time where you're like, this approach, is this is happening. I've it, got traction. It was when... I think I think the the noticing of oh shit oh something's happening right now and it's it's this is I think this is success I think I think I'm I think I'm in it was it around the time of your first special like when it was it wasn't it was when I did the Shaq 
all-star comedy jam. Uh, I was just, I just told somebody this story. I was talking to Gary Owens, actually, a uh, good friend of mine, comedian. And we were talking about the past. And, you know, Gary was like, Kev, there was a moment where you just fucking just, just ran past everyone. And he was like, I don't remember exactly what it was that did it. He said, I just remember looking up and you were gone. <laughs> and I remember it was the Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam. The lineup was Cedric the Entertainer. He was hosting. It was D-Ray Davis, Tommy Davison, um, and myself. That's a hell of a lineup. It was D-Ray Davison, Tommy Davison, myself. Cedric the Entertainer was the host. And I closed out the show. And I remember going to do the show. It was in Phoenix. It was in the round. And I had to do, this is when I was about to tape Seriously Funny, my next special, After Growing Little Man. So Seriously Funny, I was taping in like four months. It was already on the books. So this is this is supposed to be it. This is my big coming out party. This has to be it, man. You know, I feel like I'm ready. I've been working hard. My jokes are hitting. I'm raw. I'm edgy. This is it. This is the one. I'm fucking funny. Seriously. That's why I titled that. Seriously Funny. I was, I was, I was ready. I get the call from Jeff Clanigan. Shaq's all-Star Comedy Jam, we're taping it, Kev. Dude, it's like 15, 20 minutes. You know, can you do it for me? And Jeff and I had a relationship. And I was like, Jeff, I'm about to tape my special. I don't want to burn that material. He's like, Kev, look, you can use some other stuff. 15, 20 minutes, we tape it. But, you know, these things get some good traction, good views. It's some good eye candy. You should just have it out there. All right, whatever. I wasn't even taking it serious. This was not something that I was taking serious. And this is an example of... Sometimes you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what the fuel in the rocket is going to be. Mm. You just got to fucking buckle up and be prepared for the takeoff. Now, if it take off and you don't know where the seatbelts are and you don't know where the lights and shit at, well, now you got a fucked up rocket ride. <laughs> you going you gonna to crash. It's over. It's over if you're not ready. Yeah. I do it. This thing airs. And I remember... Watching it, and at the end of the show, something so small seems so fucking big. I say goodnight, I put up two fingers, and as I'm walking off the stage, they put it in slow motion. They put me in slow motion walking off the stage, and there was a separation from everything else that was on there. It was almost like this guy's the the guy. It was it was a it was a small tweak in editing. I had nothing to do with it. I just saw it. And the slow motion walk off, the crowd getting up, clapping. You see people's face in slow motion, pointing, screaming. And I'm walking off with like a bob. And it was almost like a, 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 a coined, this is it. This is going to be the guy. I didn't do it. I didn't mean for it to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. God bless the editors. God bless the Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam. After that aired, I remember doing a show at Caroline's. Joe, this is a true fucking story. Shout out to Lewis from Caroline's Comedy Club. I was just doing a weekend. Weekend, you're supposed to be doing, you know, three shows. We sold out 15 shows. <laughs> We sold out 15 <laughs> fucking shows. How the fuck did was, you do that? We didn't know. Listen. Over, how, how many we, days? We, we was there for like eight days. <laughs> we were there for like eight days. You can, Lewis can confirm this. Caroline's Comedy Club. That's crazy. Michael Berkowitz can confirm this. 
That's my public appearance agent. We just kept getting calls. It We're gone. We just put the tickets up for another show. They're gone. What? Uh, what do you want to do? We can add another. You want to try to do a, a Wednesday night? Yeah, go ahead. It's gone. Wow. Kevin, we added the Wednesday. It's gone. What do you want to do? You want to see if we can add a, a late show Wednesday? Yeah, fuck it, I guess. It's gone. Tuesday, it went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We was in that bitch till goddamn Wednesday. Holy shit. 15 shows, Caroline's Comedy Club. What'd that feel like when it was happening? It was, I'm going to say I'm gonna say 12 to 15 shows. I remember. Because some of the days we could do one, some we could do two. But you don't know. I'm like, I can't, I can't even understand this. Caroline's Comedy Club was a big comedy club. This is New yeah. York City. This is the this is the melting pot where you got some of everybody. After that is when me and Burke said, is this a New York thing? Is did the word get out in New York? And we found out the Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam was playing on like Showtime around the clock. It was just being pumped all day, all night. And we put up some shows outside and the comedy club started flying. We was adding shows. We said, let's do small theaters. And then I did small theaters, and right after that moment, I taped Seriously Funny. So Shaq's All-Star Comedy Jam hit so hard that by the time I was ready to do Seriously Funny, which was in three to four months, people were so hyped and ready to see me do something else that that became a massive attraction. Wow. Seriously Funny took off and blew as well. That's crazy that it was something that you weren't even really thinking about. Not even thinking about it. Maybe that's why it was so free, you know? Like, you, so the shit loose, that you no don't. Pressure. Yeah, the shit that's done. Now, by the way, seriously funny, I damn near shit at myself before the show. <laughs> I damn the near was on. defecated on myself before the show because I'm like, man, these people are here. The theater sold out so fast. I had LeBron, Shaq, the, the whole Cleveland Cavalier team was there at the time. It was unreal. I was like, this is this is it. This is my moment. I gotta, I gotta make this. I gotta make this a thing. Wow. I gotta make I can't fuck this up. I cannot fuck this up. The show ended up going great and then from there the 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 fucking star just continued to rise. And and that's when the engine within myself started the click of go get. Right? So this Is this a, something you always had, the go get? I got always had that. Always had that. I told you before, that's my mom. R.I.P. Nancy Hart. Don't tell me I can't do something because now I'm pissed. <laughs> now I'm going to do it. Don't tell me that. And that's a gift and a curse. Yes. That's a gift and a curse. Like you saw in the, in the doc, I don't know if you saw, but in my documentary, I put it all out there. That's a curse. Kev, don't put that video up. Don't do that. Don't tell me what the fuck not to do. I'm going to do it. And sometimes it don't do what you think it was going to do. You don't know everything. Mm. You don't know everything and you're not that great to think that you do know everything. And you can get bit in the ass by thinking that. But you got to get bit to go, oh, let me get better at that. Yes. So my go get comes from me just saying, what's my reason not to go after everything that I possibly can? I will stand on a fucking building and say this, man. It's a game. This this thing is serious, but it's got a game-like quality to it. This thing called life. Mm. It's got a game-like quality to it. And if you don't fucking see that, you better open your eyes. You better open your fucking eyes. Because in this life, 
the moves that we're making allow you to do more, to to get more, to see more, travel more, explore, experience. Or some people are dealt a different hand and it's tougher. It's a darker road and it's, damn it, it's, fuck, I'm... I want to get out of this. I can't. I'm doing. Uh, how do I get out? Fuck, I made it. Oh, it looked like I wasn't supposed to get out, but I'm out. Everybody say you can't get out of this shit. I did. I'm out. I'm out. I'm one of the people that got out. It's, it's a fucking. It's got a real game like quality to it. And that doesn't mean that you play with it. Understand what I'm saying here. It means that you can do what you put your mind to. And if you continue to put your mind to it. The game opens up new levels. Tell me I'm fucking saying something wrong. You're saying something right. You get a new level. And each new level that gets opened up, you're able to adapt a different mindset and a different approach. You can stop at that level or you can go, I want more levels. I want more fucking levels. I don't like seeing shit that I have no idea how to obtain or gain access to. That frustrates me. That frustrates me when people do things and I don't know how they do it or did it. Whether I'm going to do it or not, I want to know. When, when, when you're around people that work in different atmospheres, what do you do, man? Oh, man, I'm the guy that takes these labels right here. Simple labels right here. I have a manufacturing company company where I do these, but I do them uh, in bulk. So we do a thousand labels every 30 seconds. And I built a manufacturing lab and this company here pays me X on a dollar. And I got 35 companies doing the same thing. I've built a multi-million dollar business based off labels. People don't understand how important labels are. I did at a young age. So I started manufacturing labels. You can manufacture fucking labels. Now I'm now I'm intrigued. Even if I didn't want to do that, I'm right. intrigued that that's a thing. I'm intrigued. Yes. I'm intrigued that you found a way to do that. This table is it handmade? Does a company do these? Is it fucking custom? Where's the wood from? If you really dig into everything, it comes from a thought. It comes from a broken down thought. So you can be a person that's just around a bunch of brilliant thoughts and never ask questions. Or you can soak some of that shit up. You know what this pandemic showed me, Joe? How our economy really fucking works. Once again, I'm coming from the perspective of a young black man from the hood. I'm from the bottom. I don't know shit about stocks. I don't know nothing about investments. Never have. Right? But I know through this pandemic... Now that I'm at a point where I'm actually into stocks and I'm investing and putting a portfolio together, well, I really looked at the way that the world moves. I really looked at how we move as people. How are we fucking still going? What are we using? What are we fucking using? This is what I said to my kids. I said, what are you still using? What do you mean? On a day-to-day, what do we have to use? Tell me the things we have to use. Toothpaste. Who makes the toothpaste? They told me who made the toothpaste. Is that a company that you can invest in? Do you feel like everybody uses this toothpaste? If you do, that means that this is a company that's been successful and may be successful for a long time because this is a necessary need of everyone. That's an investment, kids. What else do we use? What else do we use every day? Where do you go? What do you like? In the mornings, Starbucks. 
Is that an investment? Do you feel like everybody drinks Starbucks? We drink it all the time. You feel like everybody else does too? I think so. That's an investment. That's what you put money in because you feel like it's going to last, it's going to grow. What stores do we go to? Where are we always at? Target? How many people in Target when we go? A lot. Is that an investment? I guess. Why do you guess? At this point, you should know. We talk about it all the time. Why do you think it's an investment, Dad? Why do you think it's not? I'm talking to you about putting money in places where you feel like it's going to grow. Do you feel like Targets are going to shut down tomorrow? Or do you feel like they're going to open more stores? How do you feel? This is a thing that I watch. And this is a thing that I also watch people ignore. This is what's wrong with our world because we don't talk to people enough like this. We don't give them the simplicity behind the way we fucking move and the way the world goes around. If we did get the simplicity, then we could have people taking $20 out their check and creating a portfolio. We could have people taking 40 to $50 out their check and putting it in said thing. Said stock, said thing. Whatever it is, you can be doing it at a younger age. You don't have to have the most crazy amount of money. It can start off with the smallest amounts of money, but you can learn it that can grow. I watch it. I pay attention. That's what gets me fucking going, Joe. I pay attention to everything. My question is, why don't most of us? Why are we comfortable with letting the world just go by? I think a lot of people don't have the framework. They don't know how to operate in that realm. They don't know how to get going. They don't know how to get started. Yeah. But I love what you said about it being there's a game-like quality to life. That's such a perfect way to look at it. It really is. You played the game. Yeah. You played the game for how many years, Joe? How many years are you on your podcast? 11. 11 years, right? I'm going to give you a very true story. And to my brothers, the Plastic Cup boys, we got our radio show straight from the heart. I'm constantly preaching to us about it's not about now. It's about tomorrow. Our radio show is a good radio show and we have a following, but it's not about now. It's about tomorrow. We got to put the work in today so that when tomorrow comes, we are well equipped for the conversation that may be. I said, Joe had a fucking long ride of preparing for tomorrow. And when tomorrow hit, it had to hit correctly because Joe never not did the work on a day-to-day basis to prepare for tomorrow. I got everybody fired up just off of the fact that you continue to do your thing the way that you were, regardless of conversations, regardless of other offers and possibilities, you felt something else was on the horizon for tomorrow. But you knew it would come based off of your energy and effort that you put into the thing that you have. Realistically, I don't look at it that way. How do you I, look at it? I don't. I never look at a destination or a thing or something happening. I just keep doing it. I'm I'm one of those weird grinders. That's not weird. But that's, I, your, I trust, that's a way for you to go. But I trust the process. But I don't ever look at it like there's a destination, like a success moment, like a big thing. A big thing hits. I okay. just keep doing it, and those things sort of find their own way through management and agents and. I've put very little thinking into that. I all put right. almost all my thinking into just doing the thing the best way that I can do it. Metaphor for you then. You're an amazing fucking fighter. 
you are, I mean, I don't know how many black belts you fucking got. I just know I wouldn't fuck with you. Uh, you, but you got some shit with you, right? And if you are practicing a kick or a move, if you do it, let's say two hundred thousand times to make sure you get it perfect, are you doing that and figuring that out for the unknown, or is it for if I ever have to use it, I want it to be so fucking right? That yeah, that's always there. That's always there, but the thing is always the technique. The thing is always the process. Mm -hmm. and I think that's where I got this from podcasting and even from stand-up. It's just the grind the process. Com comes from martial arts. The grind is like you got to be there every day. If you're there three days a week, it's not as good as five. Mm -hmm. You got to be there five days a week. Mm -hmm. And five might be better than seven because sometimes seven you burn out. You want to keep enthusiasm because that's a fuel. Enthusiasm, there's something about enthusiasm that like you got to balance discipline and enthusiasm. Discipline's critical. You have to be able to show up, but you also have to enjoy the shit out of it. And so enjoying the shit out of it with discipline is the key. But you got to ride those babies out, you know? You don't want to fuck every day. Take a couple of days Take off. Days want off. it. <laughs> want it. You know? Like, people fuck every day. You don't even know what fucking feels like. Take three, four days off and smoke a joint and make out with your woman. Get, a, you get, get, yes. get some energy back into yes. it. Yes. Feel do you, it. Do you feel like, and this is something that, you know, I never have a good, I have, I have an okay answer. But I don't feel like it's ever the best answer when people say, well, what do you do when you're not doing what you love, right? And what I've said in the, in the past and, you know, in the present as well is I think in order to do what you love, you got to get through the obstacles of the things that you don't love. In life, yes, right, as right? you're trying to come up. Yeah, yeah that's what I was yeah. going to ask. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Like getting over those hurdles and then eventually they lead you to the thing where you're like, okay. Yeah. Now I'm ready to pers pursue said thing that I want to do. Or if you're in a job or, you know, a career and you're like, I fucking hate my job. What I feel is like, you know, even if you hate your job, you you're supposed to be using that job for something to get to something. Right. Mm. And if you're if you're not, then that should be the thing that you're figuring out. Like, I don't like being here, but now that I'm here, I'm going to. Do all that I can to get said thing so that I can then be comfortable enough to move here. Yeah. If you just go into those things with hate, because you were talking about enthusiasm, it made me think about it, made me think about it. If you just got hate and you're just angry about what you're doing every day, then you're not even allowing yourself to figure out the plan of how to escape the thing that you hate to get to the thing that you love. Yeah. I think it's important to have those jobs that suck, man. They're, they're, a, they're, they like cement your foundation. Because you don't want to go back to those fucking places. You don't want to go back to those terrible jobs where you had to get up and be uninspired all day long. But if you can get through that, like that, that's the, this rigid structure of discipline that allows you to apply that discipline to things you love. If you can apply discipline and learn how to apply it to something that sucks, and get free, have mm -hmm. a game plan and get free. Once you get free, you have that ability to get up and do things that suck. Guess what? You're going to get up and do things you love 
easier. Even, even more. And you're going to remember construction sites and delivering newspapers and all the stupid jobs that I worked. I think about those fucking things when I get up in the morning. They, they, when I'm brushing my teeth, I think about them. When That's I, the my, fucking game, yes, though. Yes. That's the game. Like, That's why you got to get through it. You have to. Yeah. Like, the, it's, it's, I, I say this, man, and it's like that. It's the story. You're just putting that story together, mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think, you know, with without without the stories, what do you talk about? What do you talk about? Right. You know what? What is what is the interesting side of converse, conversation about your growth or your right. journey? If it's if it's if it's just the easiest. I just took the highway and got off at the exit, and right there, the exit, I found the gold. Everybody else, did. it's no right. What, or what is my that? dad was rich, and I have a trust fund, and I never have to work ever. What, what is the what yeah. is the interesting yeah. side to that? Like I don't, there's no, there is no bonus in that. Like yeah, I just fucking broke my goddamn back, right? The the dopest thing for me about doing that was not being able to walk, but then being told. That if I'm patient, I can recover fully. I can get back to myself. And me instantly thinking in my head, I can actually be better than what I was. If he's telling me I can get back to 100%, I'm going to be better. So the game instantly clicked on. Mm. All right, tomorrow we start. We play. New level. I can't fucking walk. God damn, here we go. Can't wipe my ass. I'm not fucking getting They say I can't get in the gym. PT is some weird shit. I'm just taking two steps on a fucking boosa ball. And I'm, all right, this is a little discouraging. But I know they said I'm supposed to do it three days. I'm going to listen to them. But on those other on those other four days, is there anything else that I can do to be working on? Kevin, you can strengthen your lungs up, working on your breathing. Here's a breathing machine. Okay. What about my, my hands? Is there any way my sense is tennis ball? Can I be squeezing? Should I be doing anything? No, we don't have anything like that. We don't recommend it. So if I found something and I research, if it's just motor skills and working on, is that fine? Yeah, that's fine. But you know, we it's 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 okay if that's what you want to do. Okay, I saw that. Yeah, I'm not getting the same. The doctors are just telling me the stuff that I need to know. Stay within those lines. But I'm gonna find out the things that I can do because I'm playing the game now. I'm never gonna overexert myself. But the game is to be better. How do I be better than what I was? Because if I do that, ooh, fuck. For me, mm. I just beat me. Yeah. This ain't about nobody else. I don't give a fuck about nobody else. I just beat me. If I can keep beating myself, pause, if I can keep doing that, then that means that I'm in a battle with the only person that fucking makes sense. I'm in a battle with the only person that I really want to fucking beat, and that's me. <laughs> I don't I don't care about anybody else. I have no worry or gripe about the next man or woman's journey or 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 their level of success. That's not what I'm what I'm up against. Yeah. If I can continue to outdo me from the day before, then I'm then I'm ahead. And I'm ahead. And that's that's what I that's the newfound the newfound energy that I got out of life now. You know, I'm on this amazing Rocky story with myself. It's in my head. Nobody else is watching this movie but me. It's in my head. 
this is Rocky. This is the comeback. This is exactly what I saw in the movie. And I'm going to come back better than ever. I'm going to be 41. My body's going to be ripped up. I'm going to be about 8% body fat. And then and then I'm ready. Ready for what, Kevin? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. Ready to be better than you were before. Hey, I don't know, but yeah. that's, that's what I want. I want that day to be like, yeah. Yeah. Now what? And then I figure out what. I figure out what that what is then. Yeah. Well, tell me when you got injured, what what you you were explaining it to me before the podcast, but I didn't want to talk too much about it because I wanted to hear it now so everybody could hear it. What what exactly was the injury? I I fractured so I fractured my my spine, right? And it's from my it's either from my T10 to my L1 or from my L1 to my T10, whatever order that goes in. So, so I... How many fractures is that? I mean, that's fucking... That's your, that's your spine. That's about... So you fractured basically everything. Every, I mean, you got like this much space in my back. So you got to think, first of all, I'm already small, right? So this is practically my whole back. If you look at this right here, <laughs> if you look at this, this is practically my whole back. So all of this fractured. And what, what happens is... They had to fuse my spine. So do they have to remove the discs in between? They basically had to fix. So so the bones where, where it's fractured, basically your spine is now out of whack. Right. The, the, the things that keep your spine connected and that allow you the flexibility mm-hmm. are out of whack. I got pieces of those bone fragments that are out of place out. So so they got to they got to fuse that shit back together. So I got do they take screws. the disc material out and compress it and then screw them all so is the bone all one piece now? I I think I'm I think I'm one. I don't I don't know about the disc. I don't know. I don't have that answer. That's mm. uh that's a little too technical for me and I should know that cuz it was my body. But what I do know is that this thing that's my spine has eight screws. And these eight screws now hold it together. So through this time of healing, because I now have metal in my back, it was about getting your back to be comfortable with the metal, but also back to a normal level of flexibility. So where people fuck up, when you get this type of energy and you stay still, you allow that metal to get stiff. You don't, you don't, you're not moving it. Mm. So, so now your movements become robotic with it. So because as soon as I got out the hospital, I started. I I didn't have days off. As soon as I got out, I started physical therapy. I did not wait. I didn't. I got off medication. I said I'm not taking on meds. You know, my dad was on drugs. I was like, I'm not fucking around with that. So I dealt with the pain. But I said I got to start now because every day that I wait makes it harder to go. So because I was, you know, back and forth, side to side, doing all of those things, I got. I got my body to get accustomed to it and I got flexibility. So now when you see me working out, it looks as if I'm back and, you know, I'm probably 98% back to myself right now. But the work that I put into my core and my upper body over the years are what saved me outside of God, of course, Mm. in that situation. Because, you know, I want to tell those people just for just for you to know this health and wellness shit is so much bigger than what you may think it is. Taking care of your body, you don't know when all of that stuff comes into play and adds up correctly. You know, the the human body is amazing. Recovery, the ability to snap back and go back to what it once was, the 
body muscle memory. All of that stuff plays a major factor. So my healing was a lot faster because of the years of work that I put into mm. it before. Now, if I hadn't of and I didn't have that core, well, I'd be paralyzed. I'd be fucking paralyzed. I mean, they said, um, you're literally talking about this much. Doctor, look me in the eyes. You're lucky to be walking. You're this much. If your core wasn't in the shape that it was, and if you didn't have the the strength to take whatever that impact was and stay, you would have been snapped and you would never be walking again. So that instantly, thank God, I go, you know what? Thank God for my trainer who jumped into my life at a certain time and changed my way of thinking. Boss, Ronald Boss Everline, and you know, we've been rocking for seven years and and the consistency of four years before of every day. Every day. So now I'm like, you you're not wasting your time ever. So when those people say, What are you working out for? What are you getting in shape for? Why are you going every day? You don't know when you're gonna need to fucking tap into all of the work that you've done. You don't know. You don't know if you'll ever need it. But to just know that you've taken care of yourself, to know that you've given yourself a chance to fucking not only survive, but perform. You've given yourself a chance to perform at a high level on a day-to-day by taking care of your engine. This is, this is my machine. So I'm taking care of the engine. Just like any car, oil changes, just like, you know, your fucking, your brakes, your, your your tires, the rotors, all of that shit. You taking care of that so that it's a great ride every time. You got to do the same with your body. Don't ignore that shit, people. You know, we, we dropping like flies right now. Mm. Heart attacks, strokes. Yep. You know, uh, you, kidney failure. You got people with diabetes. You got people getting uh, legs or arms cut off. From bad eating, from from bad eating over the course of years. Take that shit serious. Don't wait till the end. That's serious. That's not that's not a joke. So when I look at people dying around me, we have no control over when the day is gonna come, but I'm going to try to help amplify my time here as much as I can. That's the big one, right? Amplify your time. You have energy. You have yeah. a different kind of energy than someone who's unhealthy. You have the ability to push forward. You have the ability to get shit done. You have more enthusiasm because your body feels good. Why do you not? Why? I want to be careful the way I say this because I don't want to seem like I'm coming down on anybody that's not. But why don't you want to take care of yourself? I think they do. I think it's just habits are very hard to break. There's a lot of comfort in just the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Open up the cabinet, Twinkies, fuck it. Mm -hmm. I'll start tomorrow. Fuck it. I feel like eating those chips. Mm -hmm. And you just settle into it. And then there's this disappointment that comes from settling in. And it's comfort and it's disappointment at the same time. Like you really, well, I guess that's me. And you accept it. And I think sometimes people are scared of improvement because they're scared of failure. So if they can just kind of slide into the same bullshit every day, mm -hmm. it, it it makes them feel less less uneasy. You know what I what I say and, and what I will say goes back to the decision, goes back to information. It's not bad if you want those things. I don't I don't think that people are supposed to live a robotic life and and, you know, 
I don't eat this ever, and I don't do this. Well, never. I always point to The Rock and his fucking cheat days. I mean, his Jesus fucking cheat. First Christ. of all, he eats for a village. That son of a bitch. <laughs> well, Listen, he is I, a village. It's unreal what he puts down when he puts down. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, you should yeah. enjoy your your yourself and enjoy your life. But I think that there should be a give and take. Like, all right, I'm going to eat the way I want to eat. I'm not compromising that because I love food. But... Let me put a half hour in a day of walking. Let me yeah. let me do something so where I'm active so there's at least a give and take. That's what I would say um, to people out there. I'm not saying in no way, shape, or form, don't do this ever and that's wrong and you're living, you're, you're going to destroy yourself. That's No, I'm, that's unrealistic. That's unrealistic. Yeah. I, I think you should definitely be happy. You should definitely do the things that you enjoy because, like I said, in my mind, this is a game. You playing the game. Yeah. Be happy while you're playing it. Don't well, one, be miserable. One way to play the game is to challenge yourself. Like, give yourself a month. Write <laughs> down for a month. For one month, I'm not drinking a single soda. For one month, I'm going to do something, some exercise every day, and I'm going to write down what it is. For one month. The fucking game. Yeah. Here's how I think. I don't know if that's a book title or not, or if it hasn't, has been or hasn't, but God damn it, that could be my next one. The game. Yeah. Now, Even I know you guys are hearing title, this. I think it may be, but maybe, you know, the game, the game of life. That's yeah. something, but it's something there. I just, yeah. there's, there's, it's such a synergy within that. Maybe just call it game. Something. Yeah. It's there. Your, your, your statement of there's a game-like quality to life resonates. It's soon, true. As soon as you said that, I was like, ooh, that's it. That's the way to look at it. To don't just look at it like life. Look at it like you're trying to succeed. You're trying to get ahead and win. The game like quality of life. That's it. It's 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 a it's a dope thing. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna really harp on that. There's so you there. you're recovering from your, your back injury. Mm -hmm. Like how long ago was the injury? How long ago was the crash now? September. So what is that? September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April was his May. Yeah. So May? Only, only eight months. Almost it was about to be June, so about to be nine. Um, about to get into nine. And you said you're like ninety eight percent. Ninety eight percent. I'm down to Probably ten percent body fat right now. And as far as like movement, you could basically do everything. I'm doing everything. Wow, doing everything. I'm up to running again. I'm probably at. I'm probably at three. I can go three and a half miles straight before I'm like, oh, the back starts to bother you. Yeah, before I get tight. And what are you doing for the back? Are you doing yoga? Are you doing what kind of? I got uh, are you doing? physical therapy. You know, that's that's random. Shout out to Doctor Pat. Um, you know, I make sure that. Getting the massages, uh, getting the work done, because I'm I'm doing so much within working out. I don't want to not take care of that as well. Yeah. So from heating it, from you know treatment, uh, just just literally doing things to to make sure that I'm I'm constantly working on those muscles and not forgetting them. I'm getting older. I don't want to act like that's not the case or that's not a reality. I'm 40 now. So how do I? take care of this machine so at 50 I'm not moving as if I'm 70 right. you know um, I, I'll say that's been that's been a great adjustment but one that's really made me feel better like stretching you know I didn't I didn't understand the importance of stretching of actually resting you know I was gotta get it let's go let's go time weights yeah. hit it 
clanging and banging, baby, yeah. clanging and banging. But now, you know, make sure you get your rest time so that you can come back and give the energy. Your cardio changes, road machines. Mm-hmm. I'm on. I'm on a, a a bike. You know, I'm 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 pelotoning. I'm I'm hydroing. I'm running. So the the workouts change, and you become more consistent uh, with your system, with my new system. So I, I think by July. July, my my goal is for my forty first birthday. That's July six, to be around eight, eight and a half percent body fat at the age forty one. So it's all about body. It's all about looking good with the body fat. For me, for me, the body fat means that I've just been super focused. Mm. Like no, I eat. I don't want people to think that I don't eat. I'm. I'm not a foodie though, so it doesn't really count. But you know, I'm not on some strict crazy diet. You're not a, you're not a foodie like you don't enjoy like. I'm not a foodie, man. I don't know. Uh, I don't eat red meat. I really? eat no red meat. No, no fish. No seafood. Uh, I'm a I'm a plant based eater. Beyond, Everything everything's plant. Uh, I'll go chicken every once in a while. I'll yeah. dabble into my chicken, and that's what that's what people don't understand. I don't think people really get that or understand that. It's like um, just because you make the decision to go and try plant based doesn't mean that you have to engulf in that world. Learn it. Understand it. And see if there's benefits that work for you. I stopped eating red meat so much because I learned that I didn't have to have it. I thought that I needed it to survive. That's what I was under the mindset. Like, if I don't eat this, things are going to change for me. That's what I thought. But once I found out there was protein and things in other foods and other resources, and then I started to learn more about the plant-based food space, I was like, I'm going to give it a try. And I started to trying to Beyond Meat, and I fucking fell in love with the Beyond Meat. I was like, I don't feel a difference. Just let me tell you something right now. Those Beyond Meat things are not good for you. I, I love them. They, they, I'm sure you do. I'm I sure love you them. enjoy them. I, that's fine. I love but them. If you're going to be plant-based, that's not the way to go. In terms of like the overall health, it's mm-hmm. not bad if you want just taste, if you enjoy you know, just mouth pleasure, but they're not good for you. I, I, it's all oils. It's all this plant-based oils and it's all processed and weird just eat vegetables what you are is a very smart man so i would never challenge the information that you may have that i don't have so now after being told such a thing i would look and see for myself but i can say to date i love the beyond option because it's not only taking the place of the meat, I like the different versions of it that's available. As long as you're enjoying it, nothing yeah, wrong with I, something you're enjoying. You're obviously very healthy. Yeah, I can say I I haven't seen. I put it this way: since since going plant based and jumping into that space and choosing that, because there was a moment where you had the impossible, you had the beyond, and you had all the stuff that was mm-hmm. out there, and you're trying everything. I like that one the most. So after liking. The beyond one the most. Then I said, let me see if I can be more consistent. Since doing that, I've I've seen a significant change in just being more vibrant, more up and and at it. Like, you know, my days were always long. So there used to be a wall that I would hit, you know, when I was eating and I was red meat, whether it be the burger patty without the bun, whether it was steak and eggs for protein, whatever it was, I would always hit a wall a day where, you know, I'm dozing. Hmm. I'm dozing and I'm crashing. I don't have those crashes. Maybe you weren't getting enough carbohydrates. 
Could be. Once again, yeah. Joe, you're a very smart man, so I'm not going to challenge your knowledge because I know that this is a space where you're well-equipped. You do your research, you read, you know. I've heard you talk about things various times. Uh, in this space, I'll just say it's it's one of those things where I was like, okay, this is a pattern that I fell into. It's been comfortable, but I've seen the results. Uh, that's all that matters. And there's bio-variability bio, uh, that everybody mm -hmm. has to take into consideration. Like, your body's going to be different than Jamie's. It's going to be different than mine. Mm -hmm. Everybody's body's going to respond different to different kind of foods. It really, it's really different, you know. Some people are, work great off of just fish. I know people that are on the carnivore diet, and they're in the healthiest shape they've ever been in their life. Yeah. All they eat is red meat. They eat ribeyes all day long, and you go, "What the fuck? That doesn't even make any sense." <laughs> Meanwhile, they look great, yeah. and, and they'll swear to you that they've never felt better. Psoriasis is gone, joint pain gone, healthier than ever. And then I know other people that are all 100% plant based, and they're like, "I got off my meds. I feel great." I think focus on eating properly whether it's eating properly plant-based or eating properly with a carnivore diet just cutting out all the bullshit yeah that's the and, and the and focusing on the fact that you're eating for health and for vitality like that's a big part of it you just said the key thing though the the key things you just said is people are doing different things that work yes. for them yeah there there is no right or wrong way and i think that's the biggest misconception right the misconception is that you're doing it wrong there's one way there's only one nah don't no. do that no don't eat that ah, you, you're messing ways. up there's so many different ways yeah. that can work for you don't be afraid to try or just experience what those options are yeah. and find your comfort space like that's that's why i say within that plant-based space you know people that go yeah man i'm plant-based but i feel bad because i ate such a thing it's like you don't have like it's not there is no rule yeah. to what you want to do for you. And you got to be open to making adjustments too. do you know C.T. Fletcher? I do know of him. I don't know him, but love, I know of him. Love that guy to death. Mm -hmm. Hulk. He, he's, yes. <laughs> he's as motivational as anybody uh -huh. that's ever lived. He had a heart attack, mm -hmm. um, had his heart replaced, got a new heart. And he I, I don't think he's confirmed it, but he believes it's an Asian woman. And I don't know if that's, that's how he feels. Or like he's had some weird feelings about having this other person's heart inside of his body. And uh, he went 100% plant-based. Just changed everything. Changed his entire diet and puts all these videos he up about it. He thinks his heart came from an Asian he woman. He believes his heart came from an Asian woman. I don't think he's confirmed that because I don't think they tell you. But I think he's he, he just... Would you want to know? Do you want to know? Yeah, I kind of want to know. Yeah. Maybe he <sighs> knows now. He didn't. I don't believe he knew last time I saw him in here. But... You know, the first time I met him, I mean, he's just a powerful guy, you know? It's still your motherfucking set. Like, yeah. he's that guy. Yeah. And he's just always this, like, booming voice and just gigantic muscles, and he's all drive and go. And then when his heart failed, and then he had to have his heart replaced, I saw him about a, a year later, and he had this remarkable calm that had come over him. He was just like this different person, very loving and embracing mm -hmm. and, and had all this happiness and all this joy and all this appreciation. And now all he needs is plants. I mean, he's a, and he swears by it. It's that light. For him, that's, that's the way to go. No, I'm talking about that light. Yeah. I saw oh, that yes, light. Yes, when you, yes. when you come close to that light Yeah. and it's in that light that I'm talking about is death. Yes. If you come close to that light, when you do and if you are fortunate enough to come back from that light, you value life differently. Yeah. You you can't there 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 are no bad days for me. 
There are no bad days for me. I my my biggest cry in life came from the first day that I came home from the hospital. Because I never I never had to see that house again. Like there's there was an option right. of me never seeing that home again. There was right. an option of me never walking on that driveway again. There was an option of me never seeing my wife and my kids again. Like the biggest and I mean it wasn't it wasn't like a like a build up cry. It was pull up, get out, feet touch the ground. What the fuck just came over me? Boo hoo. Yeah. Like what the <laughs> fuck? What just happened? And by the way, a painful cry because my back my back was fucked up. Right. So I'm crying hard and I'm in pain, but the realization of none of this has to be. You're not in control. Right. Hey, Kevin, you're not in control, buddy. You thought you were. You moved for a minute like, nah, I got this. I'm going to do that. Don't worry about it. I got it. We'll be good. I'm going to make sure it happens. As if you were in control. That's what it is. It's literally that. Yeah. At any decision, at any given time, it can be over. Yeah. And it's not until you get close to that light that you truly respect that. I respect that. There are no bad days. Hey, man, miss me with any bullshit. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm smiling. Yeah. Because I have no reason to be angry because I don't have to be here. You appreciate that sunshine because you've been in the pouring rain. Yeah, man. Yeah. Hey, hey. That's a fuck. Yes. Yeah. So when you talk about C.T. Fletcher and you talk about yeah. his calm, you know what, man? I've... I've been on the other side. He's he's been yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's go, and that's yeah. great. Yeah, that doesn't mean he does that. He doesn't still have that. But now there's a different energy and a different level of relaxation that can come because I know how fortunate I am to be taking these steps. Yeah, it's not just a theory. Like every day, really, truly, is a gift. It's Jeez. Not, yeah. And you it's take real. it for granted. It's real. You take it for fucking granted, yeah. man. I'm gonna tell you, not being able to wipe my ass. Changed everything. Do you got one of them bidets in your house? You press the button. And I couldn't even do ass. that. Really? I couldn't do that. I'm talking you. You take it for granted. You take it for granted, man. All of this, all of this conversation is clapping. This easy. Yo, hey, come here. All this shit here. All the movement. You just, you just think it's okay. You, you go, go through, go through a situation. Where it's compromised. How long did it take before you could start walking again normal? Or semi-normal? I lied in a hospital because I didn't want them to know that that I was having pain because I thought that they were going to stop me from letting me continue to try my walks. Um, it was like day seven in the hospital. And I had the walker. And it was slow walks, but I was dragging. It was upper body. Mm. And and I was masking it as if I was feet, right? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to stop trying. Like that was my that was my that was my fucking my 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 go get my drive for anything was those that half hour or forty where I could get up and go walk because I was just laying in the bed all day, and you know God bless me and my wife and my kids. There was, there's times like if this is the remote control and I'm in the bed and I just want to get to the control, 
well, I can't get to it. If 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 you didn't position the control down here by my hands so I could get it, this here throws my whole fucking I wow. So now I can't press the button to call nurse and every second is babe, can you can you grab the control for me? Have do. Wow. And there was a time where my son my son was like, fuck it. My son just slept in the bed with me. My son, he was like, I'm here, Dad. I'm up. My son didn't want to go to school. My daughter didn't want to go to school. Wow. They didn't want to leave my side. They stayed there. And middle of the night, if they heard if they heard me, you all right, Dad? What you want? They were up. Wow. My son doubled as nurse. My daughter doubled as nurse. Nico doubled as it. Uh, wow. You know, they they were there. My brother came. And that's when... The that's when the care about what was important really changed. The shit that I thought was important, the things that you think are important, you get to looking around at a hospital room, it's four walls. None of that shit that you think is important is in there. Mm. It's one of these people. None of the other shit was in there. None of it. None of it was fucking in there. It's also got to make you feel great that there's that much love, you know, that they cared about you that that's much. What got, that's what gets you... That's what gets you through it. Yeah. So those little steps that I was taking, you know, the the discomfort of not being able to do, the love and energy made me go, it's going to be all right. I'm going to get there. Because you definitely feel defeated for a little bit. And so how long before you were walking without a walker? Um, I was stubborn, man. So probably two and a half weeks. Two, wow. Two, two and a half weeks. I should have had the walker, though. Wow. I should have had the walker, but it was I'm I'm giving the perception that it's that it's better than what it is. And I had the back brace on. You faked it till you made it. It was I, I definitely I definitely I definitely was was hey, smiling. What's up y'all? Right. Good morning everybody. Giving this perception Yeah, of, Bill Burr told me he went to visit you. Yeah. And Bill came said, to see me. And he said he goes, "See the fucking guys already walking around." He yeah. goes, "It's crazy." Yeah. I had to give the perception because you don't, I don't want you to, to, to worry. Yeah. I, I got, it's me. Yeah. Let me, I'm going through it. I'm going to figure it out. I don't want that worry placed on anybody else. I told you, I stopped fucking taking meds. Yeah. So every night was a, was a horrible night. That's so much better for you though. Just accept that pain. Every, I, every night. I, mean, I did that with my knee surgery and it's obviously a much less painful mm -hmm. thing, but I was like, I, I took th that shit once for one of my knee surgeries, one day, and I was like, this, I feel so fucking Fuck stupid. This. I slobbered on myself. Yeah. That's when I said, no, no. I was talking a piece of slobber. Yeah, I was by piece myself alone in my apartment, and I was thinking, this was, you know, back when I lived in New York, and I was like, I am not doing this again. This is one day. I'd rather, I'd rather be in searing pain and have my senses than to be stupid. I felt so St dumb. Felt dumb. Dumb and just like, uh, yeah, at the same. Like, this uh, is not me. I'm, uh, not into, I'm not into escape. I don't want to escape. I want to dig deep. Not that bad. Yeah, I'd uh, rather just feel the pain. I'm not looking for it that bad. It, it's a sensation. It's a terrible sensation, but I know what it is. It's just letting me know that there's a problem and we'll fix that problem eventually. I, I don't like the look that comes with being high. Yeah. Like when I see what, People look like that. I don't like that look. <laughs> like, the pill the, high? The, this, See, this I like shit, the weed high. Nah, that's, that's, I'm talking about this shit here. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. when you don't know which, uh, 
Yeah. This shit here, you you don't know what's going on with your hands. I right. don't like that. No. I don't want to look. I don't want to look like that. Yeah, I think that's people that are in so much pain all day, just emotionally, that they just need some sort of escape from it. One thing I would embracing it. I will not knock anybody that is dealing with any type of mental struggle because that is something that's so serious. Because nobody understands right. what that is except that person. Right. So I never, I never talk as if that's an easy thing. I talk as if that's a thing that I don't fully know about. So you can only, you can only have some type of remorse and, and feeling of understanding for people that are battling any type of mental illness yeah. or mental health. Because that's just a different, it's a different monster and a different machine. So whatever the reasons to escape that are for you and from you, you know, that's that's something that's TBD, to be determined between right. you and whoever's trying to help you. People on the outside, we got no right. We got no right if you're not fucking dealing with the same yeah. thing. You got no right to judge that ever. There's I no don't. way we can understand what's going on. I mean, no way I can understand what's going on in your head other than you telling me about mm -hmm. it and me trying to decipher it and trying to put it into words. But that's one of the more interesting things about talking to people. It's like when you when you talk to people and you find out how they feel and think about things, it shifts your own ideas of what life is. And, and, and I try to look at life through other people's eyes. And the only way you get that is through them talking. I mean, I'm dealing with it now with my kids. You know, I got two teenagers. So my daughter, you know, my daughter got mad. This is a while ago. She got so mad. She was like, just forget it. And it was like, mm. a, it was like a little rage. I didn't attack her for it. I said, there's something that made you do that. It's bigger than just this. It's not about what we're dealing with now. I said, that was that was something else that I've never seen. And I said, I'm going to give you a second. Take some time to yourself. I said, and later, if you want to talk about anything, your dad is here. I said, let's, let's talk if you want to. And we got this thing called free speaking zone in our house. Free speaking zone means as a parent, I can't get mad at you about what you said. I got to give you a conversation based off of what you said, and I got to act as if you're not my child for that moment. You mm. cannot abuse free speaking zone, though. You can't abuse <laughs> it. That don't mean every time you're in trouble, free speaking zone, you're abusing right. it. And now you risk free speaking zone going away. I like that idea. So That's you, you got to use it correctly. So, you know, my daughter came to me and in and, and like the nicest voice, she was like, free speaking zone. And I was like, yeah. I said, what's up? And she just started talking to me about some things that were bothering her. And when, when we talk, what I found is I can relate to my daughter because I know for sure that where I come from, it's allowed me to see exactly what she's seeing plus so much more. Plus so much more. And this was a, this was a time where the hair was an issue. My daughter went through a big hair thing. You know, she wanted her hair to be a certain way. And the hair wouldn't, there was no way that her hair was going to Cooperate. be able to look like what she wanted it to. Mm. So the discussion was, honey, as a young black girl, your hair is not going to do what your friend's hair does. You know, my daughter goes to a private school. So there's white girls here. You got some mixed girls here. And, you know, these girls are out and they can jump in the pool, get out, and their hair is a certain way. And I'm like, honey, yours isn't going to do that. But if you want a different look, then that means that we can work on ways to obtain it. 
But honey, it's not going to happen overnight. And I had to make sure that my daughter understood how beautiful she was. I had to make sure that my daughter understood why it's okay for her hair to be different and be unique and not the same. I had to go into a full father programming of making you understand your value. And my daughter needed that. But it wasn't it wasn't something that just came out of nowhere. Like, Dad, I want to talk to you about my hair. It was an anger mm. that she later then came and wanted to discuss. But if I didn't have the free speaking zone, that's some shit that just would have been in. And never talked And about. never talked about. Yeah. But I gave her something that she used as a as a reason to say what I don't like and don't judge me, Dad, but this is really making me mad. Well, it seems like you've developed this philosophy that applies not just to work and and not just to success, but also to family and relationships. There's a lot of carryover in all of this. Mm. It's like accepting things for what they are, but looking at a positive way to improve them, mm -hmm. even in terms of just communication with your family. Uh, I mean, that's priority. Yeah. Priority number one. I mean, that's this. It's, it's so... It's so dope to be able to build what we're building because it's not a tradition. This is not, we don't have a family tradition. We're the right, first. Right. This is the first. Right. I don't come from mom and dad, same house, kids, dogs, and dinner at night at 6 p.m. I don't come from that. Right. I don't know how to do that. So, we are now learning that, you know, divorced, ex-wife, new wife, stepkids, new kid, brothers and sisters, coincide with ex-wife, new wife. Make sure that we all understand this is our world. How do we co-parent? Bumps, of course. Figuring it out, of course. Kids, household, in our household, let's build something. Dinners, let's make this a thing. Conversations, no phones, let's make it a thing. Movie night, Taco Tuesdays, game night, all this silly shit that you may look past are memories. Family trips, family walks, walking the dogs together, all of this shit we're building. Yeah. So I'm fascinated at giving my kids stories to hold on to. When they get older, remember that time when we did said thing, said thing, said thing? Where were we at that summer? Remember when such and such happened and you fell in the thing and dad had to come get you? Oh my God, you know what? Dad, you know what I want to go back to? You know what we want to do? We're building it. So my hope is that as I grow older, I'm able to look at a new a new era within the heart, within this heart family name, this heart legacy. I'm looking at, I'm looking at generations. You know, I got two sons. I got two sons, man. That's a that's an unbelievable thing because this name goes. I got a daughter. That's my oldest. I'm about to have another daughter. Like now, it's like fuck, Kev. You really, it's bigger than you. It's it's about this. And it's about what they have, but it's about what they remember. I'm doing my part in life, to go back to what we talked about earlier, by making this generation better than what I was. I'm giving you the fucking tools, guys. 
You don't got to do what I do. You don't got to be what I am. But I'm giving you the tools to at least want to aspire to be. Is there a struggle to find time, like to, to manage the time between work and family, relationships? Not after that accident. No. Not after that fucking accident. Accident was the, the, the best eye-opening experience ever. You know what I mean? It, it's, I was married to my career dating my family. Mm. Right? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, right. I'm all about this work and all about this hustle. Granted, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. But after a certain point, you got to prioritize accordingly. When you, yeah. when you get to a certain point where the decisions that can be made are a little more controlled, and you have the ability to maneuver differently because of the success that you've obtained, make those adjustments. I didn't make those adjustments. I was still hustle, hustle, hustle. Mm. Granted, great dad, I'm, we're doing stuff. I'm home, I'm getting back home, but my in and outs, three days, I'm out. Two days, three days, I'm out. I gotta go film the movie, y'all come down for the weekends. All right, I see you guys, we'll eat dinner, we'll do stuff and it's great, crammed it all in. All right, y'all, I gotta go, I'm working. And it's not bad, but now, all right, I'll film a movie. After I'm done filming a movie, well, I, I got I need to take 30 days off. I need to take 40 days off. That's just with me and the fam. Now, hey, you go tour, it was just, bow, year and a half. We out. Four days out the fucking week. I'm out, year and a half. I got to get it. Well, now... Let's go a month and a half. Let's stop for three weeks. I'm with the fam. So I still have my three days a week that I was here. But then I'm going to stop for three weeks. This is dedicated to fam time. Don't nobody do anything with me or talk to me. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm home. Now, my office, I was in that office when we fucking open. Office open at nine. I'm there at eight. You know, there's a chance that I may be in that office till fucking six. Now, yo, no matter what, guys, that day in the office has to end at like three. I got to be home for dinner. I got dinner with the fam. My priorities have changed. But it brings me back to the decisions that you're now able to make based off of life's circumstances, life's lessons. So because of all of the shit that I went through, because of the things that I now got to see, because of that hospital room and those four walls and me seeing my family and what that love did for me and to me, well, I'd be damned if I fucking look past that. I'd be damned if I not do what I'm supposed to do and give that the same amount of attention in return. Because my eyes got open. Fuck, is that why that happened? What are you saying to me? Was I supposed to? What? Okay, I'm going to assume. I'm going to assume and I'm going to look at the signs that are clearly being given. And I'm going to try my best to do my part. I'm going to try my best to grow. So my time now is, is so valuable. But the priority within my time are making sure that the people that I love and that love me have some time. When it's all said and done, I want to know that I made those adjustments. I want to know that I did my part. You achieved that balance. Absolutely. Yeah. But it was learned. Yeah. It was learned. Now this is information. Yes. 
It's fucking information. And and there's one side of information that I had, which was go get it. I'm out. I'm out. I got to go get it. I don't got time to be fucking standing here, man. It's shit to do, which I still do do. I don't want to make it seem like that isn't in me, but there's a balance. There's now a balance. That's the trickiest shit in life. It's yeah, it's to find that balance. Find a balance. Not but, just be a fucking savage out there grinding and attacking all day, but to have that balance and appreciate, especially appreciate family, right? It's 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 something that I've that I've had to learn and that I'm still learning. It's not something that I've knocked out the park completely yet because it's a growing fucking It's a living thing. Le- yeah. You just you gotta just keep being a sponge and being willing to fucking grow. Tell me about this Audible thing. Audible is an amazing partner of mine now. Um, my first book, I can't make this up, Life Lessons, was a New York Times number one bestseller, and I got bit. I got bit by the bug. Wow. As an author, I wanted to write a book. I did it. Look at the success that it had. The opportunity came up for me to voice that book on Audible, and the Audible success was just as good, if not greater, than my hardcover. And people love the fact that the stories were real, but hearing my voice and hearing me be personable while being real was a bonus from other things than they've ever had the privilege of listening to. So I said, I wanna do another one, man, but I'm big on this motivation, self-help, inspiration thing. I'm, I'm, I'm really big on trying to do my part. So, as I was telling you earlier, I said, in my life, man, I got so, so many stories of all of my twists and turns and right moves and wrong moves and decision making that enhanced those moves or that devalued them and made them incorrect. Ultimately, if I were to give information... It's just to open up people's eyes. It's to open up your eyes to, to the reality of you competing with you. I want people to understand that we lose because we are okay with ignoring our faults, right? It's not until you can accept your faults, your bullshit, that you can grow and do better. We point the finger a lot by we, myself included. I'm an example of it. Yo, I didn't do that because nobody told me. I didn't get up. I didn't hear the alarm. Why didn't you call me and get me up? Yo, I didn't know we was going to go eat. Didn't nobody tell me he was going to go eat? I would have came to eat, but y'all ain't tell me. I ain't know we had a test today. Why didn't you tell me we had a test today? I ain't study because ain't nobody reach out and tell me. There's so many things that we place the blame on others for that are truly our responsibility. And it becomes a habit. It's a force of habit. So it's not until you break that habit that you can do bigger and better shit. So this audible original of mine called The Decision is about making you look at shit differently. Making you realize the tone of today and making you understand how much you're a part of it. I got a big thing on social media in there where I'm like, social media is mindfuck people and to people now thinking that it's what the world thinks. Social media has mind fucked people 
into thinking that the comments below a post are what the world must be feeling and thinking about you. The insecurity levels have raised to an all-time high because my belief is now I posted something. People are saying these things underneath. I don't want to go outside because this is how they feel. Mm. So I've now put this shit in my head that as soon as I walk outside, if you look at me, you talking about my post, ain't you? I don't, what post? <laughs> Fuck are you talking about? Right. You saw my post, didn't you? And that's why you're looking at me like that. I don't, what do you, what? We now think that this is the way of the world. Right. And we're so engulfed into it that the negative is so loud that you don't even see the positive. Even if it's overwhelmingly positive, just a few negatives. You don't see it. You concentrate on those negatives. You, you, you don't see it. Yeah. There was a black billionaire that paid off student loans. It was a story for about a day and a half. Another story popped up of reality star sucks somebody dick in the bathroom. It went on for three <laughs> weeks. It was fucking crazy news. It's breaking fucking news. <laughs> what? It's all over the place. The reason why is because we spread the negative. As yeah. people, we've fallen in love with bad information and bad conversation. Yeah. We're intrigued by it. Well, it's a natural human instinct because those are the things that can kill you. Like from the, the days when we were, you know, living in small villages worried about animals attacking us, you had to be always worried about negative. Negative was the thing you had to concentrate on because that could take your life. Mm. Positive was something that's great, that's good and all, but you really got to concentrate on negative. And unfortunately, that human instinct is carried over into this time where we don't really have the same fear of danger that we had before for the most part. But we still concentrate on these negative things. We still concentrate on negative comments, negative stories. These negative things carry more weight because we have a natural inclination to keep an eye out for danger. Mm. It's, a, it's like our human reward system's been hijacked. Mm. It's been hijacked mm. by social media, this new thing that we're not prepared for, reading anonymous written things that are negative. And, it, and it, you know, there's a book called uh, The Coddling of the American Mind uh, by Jonathan Haidt. And uh, he wrote about this with children, about how many, especially girls, so many girls are experiencing super high levels of self-harm, suicide, mm. depression, all because of social media, mm -hmm. because they're writing things and their friends are commenting on them and people are anonymously saying, you stupid fat bitch. And, like, mm -hmm. <gasps> and it mm -hmm. fucks with their head in a way that other generations before didn't have to deal with. Before social media, there was nothing that could affect them in this way. And, and, you know, it's tough because there's gifts and there's curses to it, of course. Like, there's a there's an amazing benefit behind it. And, of yeah. course, now we're seeing the, you know, the bad within it. So what I encourage any and everybody to do is just understand who you are. Truly understand who you are. Learn yourself. Yeah. Learn yourself. Learn your pros and your cons. Get your flaws Get them out the way, but with you, not to nobody else. Nobody. This is a you and you thing of the shit that you know you need to work on. And I'm telling you, people, when you really look yourself in the mirror and you start to pick yourself apart by yourself, yeah, there's only room for improvement. It's easy to ignore your bullshit. Also, other people can't tell you things you don't already know. Fuck. Yeah. You're a thousand percent right. Yeah. You're a thousand percent right. And it's, that's what this is. My, my audio book is not a live like me tutorial. 
It's not a do what I did tutorial. It's I would never do that because I don't have all the answers. All I have is stories and information that you can now be privy to that can allow you to make different fucking turns on this road of life. What what was the motivation to do this? Was was there a one thing or was there it was it a, was it a build up? Me being me being one of the only black guys in our entertainment space because there's a handful of us that get to look behind the curtain. There's a curtain, there's another room and there's a curtain and in that room is some shit. You're like, God damn, I didn't know y'all was fucking doing this back here. <laughs> I didn't know y'all was getting this type of money back here. Y'all been doing this for how long? This is how it happens. There's, mm. a, there's a room that you get in and the information and understanding that comes in it. The end, it's, it's unreal, the stuff that you start to discover. But it's a discovery. It's a discovery. You got to stumble upon this treasure of information and discovery. And if you don't, maybe you're in the right environment and you hear some stuff and you can ask some questions. But nine times out of ten, it's not offered. It's a search and find. And when I was constantly in those situations and I find myself saying, so how, but why? Well, then what did you do? Right. Damn, after that, then what? What the fuck did you, what, how, how did that even work? I was in a room with Jeff Bezos and uh, Robert Kraft. This was the, the Patriots that won the Super Bowl. And we're, we're in like the, this little private room after. And Tom Brady is like giving a speech, thanking Robert uh, for all. Robert thanks Tom. And I'm with my wife and a friend. And Jeff Bezos walks in. My friend goes, they go, Jeff Bezos. I said, oh, shit. I said, I'm going to go say what's up. I said, that's a motherfucker. I, I would love to pick his brain. That's an interesting individual. No, don't do that. What do you mean don't do that? <laughs> Who said don't, don't do that? My friend. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Why? What are you talking about? Why are you going to do that, Kev? There's a room full of people. Don't look like the dude that's thirsty. Thirsty for what? For fucking information, dick face? <laughs> We got into like a little, we got into like a little fucking spat. For what? For fucking information? I want to fucking say, hey, I want to see my face. I want to ask him some questions. I ain't going to see this man no more. I don't know him. We're not on a phone number to phone number basis. I'm going to say what's up to him. All right, Kev, do you? I'm just saying, in this environment, just chill. It's relaxed. And that shit start to click to me. That's the problem. Everybody's too cool. Everybody's too fucking cool. Right. Everybody wants you to think that they know. You don't know. You don't know shit. We don't know shit. There's one Jeff Bezos. There's fucking one. He's right there. Almost trillionaire. Hey, Jeff. Come here, man. Hey, man. <laughs> First of all, explain a trillion to me. What is that? How many zeros? What is that? First of all, do you know how excited he must be to talk to you, too? I, who knows? I'm going to fucking find out. <laughs> I'm going to fucking find out. You know what I did, Joe? What? Hey, man, I'll be right back, babe. Come on. Took my wife with me. Hey, Jeff, I'm Kevin Hart. How you doing, man? Hey, Kevin. How are you? Jeff, this is my wife, Nico. Hey, hey, man, I admire you. I don't fucking know anything about that world and death, but I admire you. I admire you for being a guy that fucking created and accomplished some shit that is a phenomenon. I want to shake your hand. I would love to talk one day. Kev, hey, man. Good meeting you. 
quite sure we'll bump past one day. Hey, if we do or don't, you going to remember this. I just want to tell you I admire you. I don't need shit. I'm not asking for anything. But what I did, I set myself up for another conversation for when I got the opportunity. You're talking here, but I'm going to come over, man. I admire you. I want to fucking ask you a bunch of questions about this Amazon shit and ask you how you came up with it. I don't think this is the time or place, but I want you to see my face. Have you ever seen the photo of him sitting at his desk and there's a banner behind him, a plastic nylon like hanging banner that says Amazon.com? Jesus Christ. It's in like the 1990s Jesus. when people were like, what the fuck are you doing selling books on the internet? And there's this shitty looking Ikea desk. Look at this. De look at him. This is him here. Look Jesus at this. Christ. Amazon.com. And marker. Yeah, it looks like spray paint. Spray paint. Look yeah. at this shit here. Look at that shitty bullshit desk, that dorky looking dude. Look at the cords. Yeah. Now he's all buff and jacked and shit. Jesus. Now he's a savage that's basically conquering the business world. Richest man, well, richest man publicly. I think um, there's a bunch of them oil billionaire yeah, trillionaire that's got some, dudes. That's that got some shit too. They don't they have just, to. They just yeah, like, they shut up. Yeah. They don't want to say anything. Yeah. Either way, I was in a room with that man. Yeah. I, I didn't, there wasn't a level of cool that I had that, that would keep me from just going and saying hello or asking a question for that matter. Right. And, and it's being in those spaces that intrigued the thought. I was like, dude, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to mm. do my part and say it. I'm going to say, hey, when it comes to producing and production, here's what I've done. Here's the walls that I've hit, and here's where it's really hurt me. But here's what I've learned, and here's why I do it this way. My ambition is fueled from possibility. I'm giving you all this shit. I'm giving you all this shit. What am I going to do? I'm going to die and take it with me? Yeah. I'm going to keep it in the coffin with me? I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to fucking give it. Well, also, the possibility that some young kid could listen to this audio thing, listen to you talk about these things, and then one day succeed and run into you the same way you ran into Jeff Bezos. Oh, my God. Run into you. Kevin Hart. Oh, my God. I got to tell you, I got where I am because I listened. I listened to you talk about your life. I listened to you talk about your fuck-ups, and you made me feel like you were human. Like, I thought you were just Kevin Hart. Like, when people see you, you're Kevin Hart. You're walking the red carpet. You're, you're, you're in Jumanji. You're all over the place. There's fucking comedy specials for 50,000 people in arenas and shit. People don't know that you're a human. You don't seem like a human because you're not like a human that they know. But when you talk and you talk about your life and some kid might just get a spark off of that and blow that spark, make that ember flame up and take over. And next thing you know, you're running into that person at some other Super Bowl party. I can't even do. I can't even tell you. That's the. That's for the me. Dream. That's that's what it's about. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's about. You're offering fuel. That's that's yeah. that's as strong as anything else. Yeah. And that's it's gonna, impact. It's going to impact some people. You know, there's going to be people that don't have room for it. Right. Mm -hmm. they, they're all closed up. It's a you know this like a, a cup. There's no room in their cup. They're, mm -hmm. they're full of their own shit. They're not, mm -hmm. It's not going to get in there. Mm -hmm. but there's other people. They're going to have a spot for you. They're going to have a spot, and you're going you're gonna to make that engine better. You're going to make the whole engine of their life better. There's, there's things that I think about all the time when I'm working out or when I'm tired. or I, I think about inspirational things that people have said. 
and they they get me through they shift shifts my mind steals me up makes me makes me think about things in a different way and i can accomplish more because of those thoughts i can accomplish more because of that energy that some person and you did that to me man you did that to me the last time we had a conversation mm-hmm. i remember leaving our conversation going that motherfucker is motivational and i got a lot of text messages from a lot of friends and a lot of people go, that was a great one but it was the, the, the there was a shift like when 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 someone is really getting after it in their life and you're around them there's a shift in your own life and this this it's a tangible thing it's like if you could see it on a meter you know it's almost like your meter goes up and you feel it but you don't you don't quantify you don't it's not something you put on a scale it's not something you'd see on a meter but it's real and you got to believe it's real and know it's real and when you're doing this when you're putting out this audiobook and even these conversations that you put out that when you, you people know what you've accomplished and you put these conversations out, it resonates, man. Mm. It's so valuable. Did you did you see uh, did you watch the Jordan doc? No, I didn't. You didn't watch the Jordan. You no. gotta watch the Jordan. I know everybody's been telling me that. No, you have to. I know I have to. You have to watch the Jordan. <laughs> okay, I'll watch Listen, it. you because it, he's he's an alien. He's one of us. He's one of he's one of those aliens. That other aliens identify with, and for people listening, when I say aliens, you know it's a metaphor. People, that's, that doesn't mean that we're fucking embracing aliens here. Okay, I, I just get it. I get so much shit for everything. I say, okay, this is a, it's a metaphor. Okay, right. but he he's different. He's fucking different, and what this shows you is how different MJ was. That man was a fucking winner. He was a winner. And and that's that's it. Like that's it. MJ won. There, there was no there is no other conversation. When you watch this doc and you watch how he approached his days and why he approached it and the things that he did and his reason for doing them and ultimately what he wanted. And what his priority and what his goals were. You go, fuck. He did it. We know why he did it. It's not a coincidence that he's a champion. It's destiny. He, there was no other option. It was champion or bust. There was no six-time MVPs, all-star, and the defensive player of the year, and, uh, you know, most likable player in the league, and most marketable. No. No. If it's not a champion attached to my name with several fucking trophies attached, there is no other conversation. And you motherfuckers around me, if you do not understand why I am the way I am, then this is not the place for you. Do your job. I've never heard Michael Jordan talk the way the documentary showed him talk. Do Mm. your fucking job. When I pass you the ball, hit the fucking shot. That person now has to get better. Mm. Because I'm so nervous (laughs) that if Mike passed me the ball and I missed this fucking shot, I'm never going to get a shot again. Yeah. Do your fucking job. When Mike is talking to you like that, I thought we was just playing basketball. I thought I was out here having a good time. Oh, wait, this is my job. This is my profession. 
I'm supposed to do this, this, and this. If I don't do this, I'm failing at my job. You see these players today and you see the way that they are. I promise you, man, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant. Every bit of the same. They give my guy LJ Flack and shit. I promise you LeBron James is nothing short of that. I promise you these people that are winning fucking win because there is no other option. You have to watch this doc and Joe, you got to text me after. Okay. Text me after and just go, holy fucking shit. Holy shit, man. I get it, Kev. And the fuel that you're talking about in that meter, I promise you your meter fucking, I got up. After the doc, I got up. I was with my laptop at. I got it. Let me, <laughs> shit, I'm over here watching the doc. Let me think of what the next thing is. It instantly. Yeah. Instantly fuel. Fuel. Instant fuel. Last time I felt that was the Tyson documentary. That was strong. <sighs> that was strong. Dude, there's a the time when he's talking about walking into the ring, that as he steps in the ring, like all the nervousness, all the things that going through his head, and that as his confidence builds, as he gets towards the ring and he steps through the ropes, I'm a god. When he says that, I'm like, holy shit. Hey, hey, my goosebumps hey, are popping hey. up. I was like, oh my God. That's 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 the Dosecki's man to me. Yeah. That's the Dosecki's man to me. It's crazy he's fighting again. That's that is the Dosecki's man to me, the oh, most yeah. interesting man in America. That Mike Tyson, yeah, is that. There are so many different levels, and and pieces of death, yeah, to Mike Tyson and his story. One of the, I mean, it's one of the strongest docs I've ever seen. Well, he's. He's one of those guys, one of those super winners that just, I mean, when he was young, I mean, everyone knows the story, but if you don't, he was basically had no love in his life mm -hmm. until he met Customato. And Customato became a father figure, but also Customato was a hypnotist and a, a, a psychologist in a lot of ways and a fantastic boxing coach as well and took this young kid and showed him that you're going to get love from accomplishment and you're going to conquer and you're going to become the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time and through his tutelage up until the moment that he died mike tyson was just a, a just a phenom a thing that we had never seen before he was the pit bull with no leash that that respected one person yes and anybody else at any given time feared the fuck out of this pit bull <laughs> because nobody else knew, hey, man, yeah. who's, what is, hey, yeah, somebody got to get this, hey, who, what, yeah, what is this with, who, who, <laughs> until this yeah. day, if I see Mike, there's still, I, there's a little nervousness for oh, no reason. For sure. And he's it's not terrified. like he's, it's not like he's coming in with. This thing, like I'm killing everybody. No, but no, there's he's a gentle. there's a he's the most loving man in the world. You talk to him, he's soft spoken, but there's still a little thing like hey, is Mike gonna hit me? My friend Kevin Lee said it best. Kevin Lee fights for the UFC. He said uh, when he's sitting next to him, he goes, he goes, that's a lion. <laughs> he goes, I'm sitting next to him. Like is that Mike Tyson? He goes, that's a lion. <laughs> He's like, you're sitting next to him, like, okay. Oh, I hope everything's cool. Oh, oh my God. And yeah. it's, you know, this this fight, man, I just, you know, wish him the best. I know it's he's weird, back to training right? and stuff. You know, you just want him to be safe and, and, and healthy in his time. But, you know, that's a man I, I don't ever count out. But, God damn, seeing him just put up those little displays of, 
terrifying. A, a fight is it's what it's terrifying. Heat seeking missiles coming from his shoulders. Well, not only that, he wasn't doing anything like a year ago. When I had him in here for the podcast, he said he didn't want to stoke his ego. He didn't want to work out. He goes, because if I work out, my ego fires up. There he is. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this shit here. But, you know, like, that's that's interesting. But that's just shadow boxing. What's crazy is he's training with uh, Rafael Cordero, who's one of the best uh, MMA trainers, one of the best striking trainers in the world. He, he came from a legendary camp out of Brazil, Curitiba, Brazil, called Shoot the Box. Uh -huh. It's like the legendary team of marauders from Brazil. They were like the, 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 the golden glory days of pride. Pride was, uh, you know, um, a competitor to the UFC was defined in a lot of ways. The glory days were defined by this one team from Brazil that Rafael Codera was a part of. And then that guy training Mike Tyson now, and he's been super successful training mixed martial arts fighters too. But I found it very interesting that Mike chose to train with that guy and to see the way they're going at it. I mean, he's not boxing. He's trying to destroy motherfuckers. He's, listen, you, you, I respect the trainer. I respect the trainer for standing <laughs> In that, in the way of that shit, like that's yes. One must one one accidental oops, oops missiles, oops. just <laughs> missiles are coming no, right in your I, head. Boom! Listen, boom, I, boom. You gotta just you gotta just bow down. Yeah. And and you know what, man? That's we're still in the presence of greatness. And as people, I don't I don't think we should ever forget that. Well, what's crazy is he's fifty three years old. He's doing this, and he's only been doing this again for like less than a year. So it's only been like four or five months that he's really been training hard, and everything's just coming back. It's, I mean, I wonder. I wonder what it is. I wonder if he just was bored. I mean, I really wonder. Like, this is this is the crazy shit. Jesus Christ. I mean, that's... Jesus Christ. If you saw that guy... If you saw that guy training and he was a 22-year-old kid, you're like, man, this motherfucker's going to be something. Because he's just got an intensity that you rarely see from any fighter. There's a fury that burns inside of him that you you can't manufacture that. You either have that or you don't. And he found a way to reignite, reignite it. it. I was yeah. I swear you beat me to it. Yeah, you beat me to it. But this, isn't that what isn't that what we 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 hope for or you know we yes. we hope that we get. You know I think at that age fifty, that's a that's a very pivotal pivotal pivotal. How do you say that word, pivotal. guys? Pivotal. Yeah. Pivotal. Right. Yeah. That's a very pivotal word pivotal word pivotal point in your life because you know from when you're born to 50 you're that's okay um all my years of fun are out the way my my craziness my growth my maturity and now i'm supposed to start to be a little complacent and you know i'm i'm now at that at that hill where I'm looking on the other side of life. Like now it's time to go on that other side. And when you're on the other side, you know, even if you're still on a high about living and about career and everything, you're on the other side. It's, it's, it's a different thing when you're on the other side. I made it here. Now, how many more years? It's a blessing to get more time after this because I made it to the top. And now, you know, on this other side, is it relaxing? Is it not? Am I comfortable? Am I am I a little depressed that I'm getting old? Am I not? What whatever those emotions and feelings are, they're real. And and a lot of people experience and have them. So to find something else to make you go, I'm ready again. 
Will Smith did it. Will Smith kicked in. Yeah. Will Smith, something clicked. Something clicked on Will Smith. For years, Will Smith wasn't around and Will to talk to you. Will to talk to you, Will to tell you. But something clicked and he said, at this age, at 50, I'm going to go get it again. I'm going to go after it again because I can. Like, it's something in there mm. that Will Smith realizes that he has. And at any given moment, I can. And that's what Will Smith showed us. Will Smith wasn't on social media. Will Smith wasn't in this, you know, in the in the Generation X. You know, he wasn't in our face. He wasn't up in up in the fucking vlogs and shit and YouTube on a day to day. He didn't have more movies coming out. It was very far few and in between. And then he said, "I'll do it when the fuck I want." And he turned it on. Thirty something million followers. Forty something million followers. Whatever. Vlogs on YouTube. I'm on Snapchat. I'm on it all. Twitter. TikTok. I'm going to show you how to do it. I got my own team. We showed you guys a new way to do this shit. I'm producing it. Different than it was. I'm back to doing movies. Here's my new movies. We're using a new technology. Gemini man. Young me. Old me. He's fucking doing what he wants. Because he said he can. Everybody doesn't have that. Everybody can't do that. You got a lot of people to try. Yeah. But they don't do that. You don't go from being number one and saying, I'm not going to do it. And I had some failures or whatever in here and it fall off. Fuck it. I'm ready to be number one again. That's some of our favorite stories, though, or someone who comes back. Like Dave Chappelle's a perfect example of that. I can do what the fuck I want. Well, not only that, Dave did it in a legendary way. They offer him all this money to do this Comedy Central show in a different way. Mm -hmm. They want him to change it and tone it down. They want to make it more suitable for advertisers. Too many voices. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to go to Africa. I'm out. He just went to Africa. I'm out. Just took off and then came back and said, I quit. And then do stopped doing stand-up. He was doing, I don't know if you know, he was doing stand-up in a park yeah. in Seattle. He'd show up with a fucking box. And just do it. Plug a microphone into and just it, do it. And just start doing stand-up. And people would gather around like, what the fuck is happening here? No, he didn't want any money. He would just show up at shows. If he wanted to do a show, he would show up at a comedy club. No money. Just show up. Do a show after the show is over. Are you ready to laugh? It's a great Dave Chappelle story. I'm in Seattle. I think I was in Seattle. Sold out. Got like some arena fucking thing I'm doing in Seattle. And we got two shows same night. We do about 30,000 people, right? It's a fucking great day in Seattle. I get word that Dave Chappelle is in Seattle. And Dave Chappelle randomly put up a theater show. And he's performing. Tonight? Yeah, he's performing tonight. Call Dave. Dave, are you fucking in Seattle? Yeah. When'd you book a show here? I would have fucking came, dude. I'm here. I'm at the theater. Oh, I didn't even know, man. <laughs> what you mean? Dave, I'm at the fucking arena. What? All right, I'm going to see if I can get down there to you. All right, man. Yeah, I just put them up. What time do you think you're going to get here? I, I, I don't know. After my show, right, I'll push the time back, man. <laughs> Dave, what? <laughs> Push the time back? What did you put on set? I don't know, man. I just tell him I'll do it and I'll show up, man. I just call him tell him we're going to push it back, man. <laughs> I get to the fucking theater. I rush after our show. 
Dave has a a a, a trailer. And there's like a little motor thing on the back of the trailer. It's like a little bus, little fucking motor trend like bus. And then there's like a little, the things that you pull shit in attached to it. I said, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, I don't know, man. We've been doing cross country. we taking our bikes, man. We ride cross country. So I just, when I need money, I just book a show and just tell him, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? what the fuck? He's so different. He's so different and he's so him. But the freedom. Yeah. Dave has a level of freedom. Me and Chris Rock talk about it, man. You know. No one's like him. His his level of freedom. I put myself in this place. You know, I got the 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 corporate relationships and the CEO hat and the, the companies. So, you know, I can't do certain things because the consequences aren't just for me. It's for the people that are underneath this umbrella. If something were to happen, it's I have to be, I have to be responsible. I right. have to, I have to understand that it's not just about me. Right. And I'm envious and jealous of Dave's ability to go and be free as a comic in the times where we desperately need to be. Yes. We desperately need to be, and Dave can be, and. I bow down to him. I called it. I don't give a fuck about these numbers, anything I got. Dave, in my opinion, you're the GOAT. In my opinion, your last special has allowed you to surpass the Richard Pryor. In my opinion, Dave Chappelle, I got to witness do groundbreaking controversial movement as a comedian in the times where comedy was being frowned upon. Comedians were being held accountable for doing what we thought we would never be ridiculed for. Right. The one person that stood on a pedestal that got the attention that no others can get outside of a myself, a rock, a Seinfeld. He said, in the time where the fucking fire is the hottest, I'm going to do what nobody else will. You gotta fucking applaud that. He stood up for comedy. He stood up for comedy. Whether you want to see that or not, right? he did that. Yes, he did it when there was the most pressure. When it was the most fucking pressure... And when the times of, we can cancel you, by the way, which is the stupidest shit that I've ever fucking witnessed in my 40 years of life. The whole idea of, I can kill you today with the, with the goddamn click of a button, I can end your life. By the way, this is a real feeling that people have. Yes. I'm in control of your life. If I want your life to stop and be over, I'll cancel you. Yeah. And that means you can't live no more. This is how ridiculous it is. Think about the meaning of cancel culture. So you're saying that my life is over, I can no longer survive or or provide for myself? Cancel. I don't know. Figure it out. You're canceled. Dave Chappelle said, fuck all that. Do what you want to do. I'm going to do me. That is epic. That is groundbreaking. That is goat-like behavior. So I bow down to Mr. Chappelle. He's very important. He's one of the most important figures in the history of comedy. Absolutely. Because of the fact that he's willing to do this when the scrutiny is the highest, you know, and and also just his his 
just his story, the back, the way he did it, the way he walked away for ten years and then came back and immediately went right to the top. You know, it's my that is my that is my brother from another mother. I love I him. Love him. Uh, I Chris love Rock. That guy. Chris Rock. Me, I give you one more. Me and Chris Rock were at the comedy cellar. I call Chris. Hey, Chris, come down to the cellar, man. I'm uh, I'm working some jokes tonight. I'll see what you think. All right, Kev, I'll come down. Chris comes down. He said, "Yeah, I'm gonna get up too. I got some shit I'm working on too. So, tell me what you think." Bet. I go on stage. Chris Rock sits in the back of the cellar. Get off stage. Chris like funny shit, Kev. Dope. I was like, "Yeah, you like it, right?" I got some stuff. Got some notes. He said, "Yeah, I'm about to go. All right, done. I'm sitting here. I'm watching." Chris goes up. Chris got some funny shit. Fuck Chris. Funny. I like it, man. Chris have a nice conversation. Go upstairs. We about to eat. Dave comes in. What up, Dave? What you doing? I was gonna go up. Oh fuck, man. Chris went up. We gonna come down and watch you. All right. Dave goes on stage. Dave does about an hour. There's a moment where Dave is probably at about 40, 45 minutes in. Me and Chris both look at each other, and at the same time without saying the word, balled up the material that we just worked on. <laughs> <laughs> we, we fucking, without saying it, without saying it, I ripped the page that I had in my little book, and Chris just balled up his little fucking thing. And we were like, he's unbelievable. We came in, crafted, we got some shit that we wanted to fucking work on. Dave just went up there and talked. It's like he's living like a legend. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you wanted to have a legend of a comedian, you would talk about a guy who created the greatest sketch show of all time. I mean, it only went for two seasons. But when you talk about, like, sketches like Clayton Bigsby, mm -hmm. when you talk about the Rick James mm -hmm. shit, these are so mm -hmm. classic. They're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And then he goes away. He goes away like a fucking mountain man. <laughs> he vanishes. He's in a farm in Ohio. You hear, where is he? He's on a farm. He got a fucking farm. He's on a farm in Ohio. Yeah. What? But is, he, is he doing comedy? Sometimes randomly just yeah. shows up. He's at his barn. And he does, he does this for 10 years. <laughs> I was in Denver, right? And this is before his comeback. I was in Denver and um, I'm doing stand-up and uh, I get off stage and I open the green room and Dave's there. I go, Dave, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, hey, Joe, I just decided to fly into Denver. I go, you don't have a show scheduled? Nothing? He goes, no, man, I heard you were here. I decided to fly in. I go, do you want to go up? He goes, oh, should I? I go, fuck yeah. Hold on a second. I run back. People are leaving. People are getting up. I go, come back. Come back. Tell everybody to come back. I go, Dave Chappelle's here. And they're like, what? They all come back, sit down, and he does 40 minutes and destroys. I love the, the best part of that story is, you want to go up? Should I? Dave. <laughs> Dave, you just took a flight to Denver. Yeah, Dave, why not? I guess. So then he takes me out. We go out on the town to all these fucking spots that I didn't even know existed in Denver. He knows where all these after-hours places yeah. are. You go behind an alley, you knock on a door, they open it up, yeah. it's, everything's velvet-lined, yeah. there's a small private bar. He's, like, he's, he is one in. of one. He's one, one of, of one. one. One of one. One of one. One of one. This is what the fuck it should be. Like, you yeah. see, this is, this is us embracing, this is us embracing. We're embracing someone. Yes. Embracing God, there's nothing wrong with that world. It's important. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with embracing someone that's doing 
fucking what you can deem as great shit. You're supposed to. Just you're you supposed to. to. You have to. It's part of the thing. You have to. You have you're to. supposed to sing praise, shower praise on people that are doing it the right way. And yeah. No one's ever done it better than Dave. He's no. doing it the right way. No. And even like I said, even the legendary story. It's like a. He's like a character in a book. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Said, a mountain man. He's like a mountain yeah. man. He goes off to a farm outside of Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Who the fuck does that? By the way, tells me, Kev, you got to come down to the farm. Dave, I don't. What? <laughs> I don't. No one has that kind Dave, of time. I don't want to. What do you want me to do down there, Dave? What do you want me to do? You got to come down, man. It's a good time. We're going to have a good time, man. It's the barn, fires, music. Dave. It's a farm. You gotta promise me. All right, I'm coming, Dave. Wow. I fucking I like literally. I I can only hope to be remotely close to as creative as he is at that point in my career and find this Jello. Like he's in an amazing Jello right now. Well, he knows who he is, mm -hmm. right? And, and he's not compromising. And it. no one can tell him any different. He is who he is. I mean, he just he's. Unapologetically himself, and he he gets it. His his part of his brilliance is not just being in a brilliant observer and a a, br a brilliant orator and a and a describer of life, but also in being who he is perfectly. Like he doesn't have any conflict in being who he is. Mm. Mm. He knows who he is. He knows, he knows how to do it. He knows how to do it right. And he's okay with not having. And when he walks on stage, man, he strolls on that stage like he belongs there. He's okay. Yeah. He's not heavy. He doesn't you know, give a fuck. You, uh, you know Eddie Murphy? I've met Eddie Murphy. Met. I don't know him very well, but I knew his brother Charlie very well. Listen, Eddie, we had a dinner one night, and it was Eddie Murphy, Dave Chappelle, me, Chris Rock, Chris Tucker. Holy shit. And uh, Dwayne Wade, Gabrielle Union, and Usher had came. Wow. Right? So we're, we're at this dinner, and me and Chris was like, yo, we should get, let's just put a dinner together where we all just come out. Because me and Chris love to fucking just hear Eddie go. Like, Eddie is pound for pound the funniest person you can ever be around. Like, effortlessly. Not trying. Just in story. This dinner goes down in history is the funniest, the funniest night of my life in conversation. And you got to see comics be in awe of one another. You got to see uh. us appreciate each other. Like, mm. like everybody talked in it. This wasn't a one-up story. Yeah, each other. This was a conversation. But you saw the. You saw why. The goats were the goats. Yes. You saw why the goats were the goats. You clearly saw that I was young in class and I'm the the guy that's coming up in the rear and I'm like, I'm happy to be there. Fucking and I'm must like, be ecstatic to man, be there. I'm fucking smiling. Air to oh, air, man. Picture. There's a picture uh, yeah, of it. That's Holy it right there. Holy shit. I'm, I'm smiling air wow. to air. Damn, Jamie. Skills. I'm smiling air to fucking air. And I remember. Wow. There was a moment where we were talking and Eddie would say something and then Chris Tucker like, come on, man, you know damn well, Eddie, anybody doing that? And then you would fucking hear Dave, shut up, uh, damn it, Chris, which you and rock. And then I'm just there <laughs> quiet. I'm just fucking quiet. Wow. And then I would have moments where I would tune in, but literally you saw why the goats were the goats. 
Wow. That's, I'm telling you, one of the most epic things, I have this picture framed in my house. That's amazing. That's an framed, amazing picture. Framed in my fucking house. God, man. I hope Eddie comes back. I know he's been talking about it. He's been talking about did, it. Did you see that one thing they did? There was some sort of a, an award show where he came up and talked on the podium, and he was doing material, and he was talking about them taking away Bill Cosby's uh, d degrees. No. You never seen it? No. Oh, Jamie, find it. Yeah, find yeah, it. Yeah, the, uh, it. Recent? Is recent? It's like within the last couple of years. Bro, his timing is He's, on point. No, no, he it's has like it. He would just get up there right now and murder. Well, you murder. saw it. You saw it also in his SNL sketch. He did the one SNL sketch where he did the. Um, it was like the the holiday the holiday family, and it was like the black family. Yes. And his daughter brought the white guy home, and it was the black family's reaction to it because he was staying there over the weekend. So Eddie was the dad, but you saw his timing. It's his timing not, was amazing. It's still there, man. He's still fucking Eddie Murphy. Hey, we'll play this and we'll wrap this up. We'll just end it on this. Your shit is available on Audible. Yes, sir. Now. Yes, sir. Right now. Right now. Kevin Go get Hart, it. You're, you're a brilliant person. I really appreciate you. I, I really appreciate you being here. I fuck with you, Joe. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I, I want to say this. I couldn't be happier for you. And for all of your listeners, all of your supporters, I want to thank y'all for staying with this man and riding with this man through the years. Because, you know, to build something and have that something mean something, that's valuable. Dude, you, you serve a very strong purpose in today's time i'm a fan and i'm happy to call myself a friend i Thank fuck you, with you joe i appreciate you i mean that appreciate man. you all right man eddie murphy ladies and gentlemen listen to this bill, oh, bill has one of these <laughs> did y'all make bill give his back no because i know there was a big outcry from people they was trying to get bill to give his trophies back you know you up when they want you to give your trophies back <laughs> <laughs> he should do one show where he just come out and just talk crazy now. <laughs> I would like to talk to some of the people who feel <laughs> that I should give back my trophies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's only a piece oh of it, huh? God. The whole thing's on there, but it's, oh it's my the God. Mark Twain speech. Okay. Wow. Well, if we, we play more, they'll probably pull it down anyway. That's good enough. Oh, my God. It was brilliant. Strong. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, brother. Always Bye, good. everybody.